I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have, you do have Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the Sick Little Creations. And you can find that on Redbubble and also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi, everybody. This is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, the podcast all about music. Today, there's a bunch that I want to talk about. We'll get into all that in a second. But first, we'll just do the typical shameless plug. I have a Facebook page. It's called Groupie and Harmony. Be sure to give that a like. I post on there whenever I have any updates about the podcast or my music blog, Feeling Groupie. So, um... I, uh, I've been doing, on the Feeling Groupie blog, I've been doing typically weekly releases of the 2021 Fictional Festival uh, series. Uh, I'm recording this Sunday. I plan on later today or tomorrow morning to, uh, release a new post for that one, which will be the, uh, an alternative festival lineup, which I'm pretty excited to release so be on the lookout for that. I also have a basketball blog and a separate Facebook page for that, which is Is Baller Trademarked Yet? That one, I, I've been really, I've been really busy on that one. Uh, with, I decided to do a special with the NBA Finals, uh, where I'm do uh, taking notes during the games and then posting my observations either that night or the day afterwards. Uh, so I'm recording this after game two for, uh, on Sunday, which those ended up being a mess of a game. So especially if you, especially if you don't like the Celtics, cause they, cause I'm a Celtics fan and I was ripping them, their offense, the second half of the game. Uh, be sure to check that out. Um, I also had, uh, I previously had my finals predictions i at some point in the coming days probably this week hopefully i've been pushing this off a tiny bit due to the uh due to the finals though but at some point soon i'm hoping to have my second mock draft for the nba draft coming out because i have the order all set i'm just waiting on a which need to finish up a couple things with that uh so for today uh there's a lot that i want to talk about and uh i am going to because I know that in particular there is one topic that is a little bit more difficult I'll save that one for the end give the warning in case but uh in case it's uh p- people don't want to listen to it for whatever reasons but um before that I'll get to everything else that I want to talk about um before I do um because I last time I did speak about the school shooting in Texas since then there's been several other mass shootings and uh, in particular, New York has proposed there is planning on pass at least last my check was planning on passing a law where uh, 
that would raise the minimum age for automatic guns to uh, or automatic assault rifles to uh, 21 when it was 18. And I mean, honestly, I don't think that's going to do anything because it's not like someone is 18 and doesn't have someone who was planning on shooting uh, like partaking per in a mass shooting or planning on shooting someone if they're 18 by having them not be able to legally get a gun for three years, that's not, that's not going to, that's not going to do anything. In my opinion, like the three years probably won't change it first off. And second off, he can get, there's still ways to get the guns illegally in that case. Um, I'm thinking, cause I'm like really frustrated hearing that that was New York's response, especially since I'm really, um, strongly opposed to that being the proper approach. I I want to do something. I haven't decided quite yet what, but in the coming weeks, be on the lookout for that. I'll tell you all in the podcast when I do figure out exactly what I'm going to do. It might involve writing to my, uh, to my representative slash senators. It probably will involve that. It probably... I'm thinking about doing a couple other things too, but yeah, cause I heard that was one response and I was honestly kind of disheartened and felt like that they weren't addressing it seriously. So on to music. Uh, well, the f- first thing that I discuss is multiple music deaths that have occurred, uh, recently. Some of them, uh, have been since I recorded the last episode. Some of them uh, were ones that I accidentally omitted that I meant to include in the last episode. Um, So first off, one that actually happened earlier today was uh, Alec John Such, who uh, was Bon Jovi's original bassist. Uh, He passed away. And um, at uh, no cause of death, was announced at so far, but he was 70 years old. Um, the band as a whole, uh, had like spoken really highly of him. Uh, John, uh, John Bon Jovi in particular did as well. Um, and, uh, so he was their bassist for their first five albums. Uh, so he, which meant that he was also their bassist on, on several of their really big hits because like in the late because he was their bassist from I think until 93 until 94 um he was a founding member so I mean really a lot of their biggest hits uh he he was a part of so um and I and I know I've in the past I have poked fun of but at of Bon Jovi a lot um but I mean ultimately the band has had done something that no that very few uh in the glam metal era were able to do which was have long-term success and he was a really important part of of that in his tenure with the band uh the next artist I would like to discuss uh Gretchen Moncor III, um, he, uh, a legendary jazz trombonist, he passed away on June 3rd at the age of 85. 
he uh he was definitely in the more experimental uh aspect of jazz and in particular he found well several of his releases found uh uh were well reviewed and found acclaim uh two in his first two albums as a leader in particular evolution and some other stuff uh found absolute praise for uh from uh from those in avant-garde jazz um really well-regarded musician um and uh, and while he had several releases as a band leader uh i mean you look at his discography and you could just tell like he he was a sought after trombonist um next artist is trouble uh sing uh singer and rapper uh he also passed away on june 5th uh he uh he was sounded like he was shot in a home invasion uh and uh he excuse me uh he was another one that while he's that while he didn't have a ton of commercial success he he did find some success commercially and also like i mean even you just look at his debut album and show and you had a lot of people like just looking at the feature artists just showing how many people wanted to be a part of it the trip with him you had like like drake quavo fetty wap the weekend um boozy badass offset several others oh um mike will made it also um he yeah there were a lot of people that really they really liked him a lot of his music was well received so he, he was really talented so uh and he was only 34 also which is which is absolutely devastating to hear someone passing so young um the next individual wasn't actually a musician, but was uh, an engineer who was really important in the in uh, music, and that was Dave Smith. Uh, he um, he uh, was uh, most known for uh, be uh, for creating a first polyphonic synthesizer um, with that was pro uh, had programmable memory, uh, Prophet Five, and uh, he also was important in the development of uh of midi uh musical instrument digital interface and really was just both of those were really influential in well all uh, many forms of mus music and genres but especially electronic music uh and really uh was an essential figure in electronic music music despite not even being a musician himself uh the final two that i would like to discuss here are two that i that i accidentally omitted in my last episode uh the first one of those is uh it was as uh andy fletcher he was uh member of the band Depeche Mode uh I mean for their debut album he was only 19 so um, he was he, they, he started really young with them but yeah he was a uh, keyboard player in particular for them although he uh he did help out with a lot of things off the 
Um, he did help out with a lot of things uh, outside of the music part. I uh, helped out with like some business and legal stuff as well. Um, and while uh, and he was he really did uh, seem like uh, just like a. I think like kind of like in sports, you hear like a like a role player or something like that. He really did seem like a key role player, or like a utility guy, like for instance in baseball, where you could throw them in anywhere. That was uh, that's kind of like why it felt like with him as well. Really, a lot of people spoke really highly of him. Several paid tribute uh, to him after he had passed. Uh, he passed at the age of at the age of sixty. Uh, on May 26th. And then lastly, another artist who passed away at the age of May 26th, Alan White, um, most known for being the drummer of Yes for, uh, for a while. He, uh, I actually, yeah, he, he was on there forever. seemed like forever. Um, but he also was session musician was, uh, was in a few, a few different random bands early on, um, and then was and like helped out various bands of the years. Um, he, uh, excuse me, he was a really well regarded drummer, um, as well, and a lot of people did have a lot of respect for him. And I mean, because in particular, yes, um, they. Uh, I mean, they were, uh, well, I know they had a lot of things that, a lot of songs, for instance, that, like, uh, um, that weren't necessarily classic rock. I mean, I'm sorry, not classic rock, progressive rock, rather. He, I mean, they, the safest genre throughout their career would be progressive rock, and he, I mean, that, I could only imagine drumming for a lot of those ones would just be brutal, but he... But he like made it seem easy for a lot of them, which is crazy. Um, so rest in peace to all to all these individuals. Um, me, all of them, all of them will absolutely be missed. Uh, one that I also do want to discuss really briefly because um, it kind of ties in with something I had discussed in the last episode. Uh, so metal, I guess. Most recently, me uh, metal, or like I guess tradi more traditional metal, but then previously, metalcore band Parkway Drive announced that uh, recently that they are going on a hiatus for mental health reasons, and I uh, and I think, but even though they did say that they aren't breaking up, and I think that is. Uh, and I think that it it does it needs does need to be said again, even though I just discussed this more in depth last time. That uh, really, I mean, doing like all that kind of touring is I can't even begin to imagine how draining it draining it is. Because I was discussing in particular with some comments related to Taylor Hawkins from the the late great Foo Fighters drummer, and he, uh, but I mean also beyond that, I mean, in addition to that, you had COVID, where suddenly it's like. You went from like being able to tour everywhere to not being able to tour everywhere, and then I mean, 
COVID itself had its large share of mental health issues. So I do have a lot of respect for them for realizing that, uh, that, uh, that then making it worse for, uh, everyone involved who is dealing with mental health issues than, uh, been to get that treated, even if it, he's just holding off for a little bit. Cause I know like, for instance, uh, I think it was last year, Mike Patton, uh, most known for being in faith no more, but then also some other projects, including Mr. Bungle, he, uh, he, they had, uh, canceled their tours for faith no more and Mr. Bungle because he, uh, because he had said he wanted to get, uh, because he was getting help with mental health. And I, as somebody who has had issues with mental health, I have immense amount of respect for that. Uh, but I did just want to bring that up. Also, um, next fun little thing that I want to bring bring up really quickly. Uh, so I do not watch the show, but uh, there's been a. It seems to be there. Uh, there seems to be a bit of a resurgence as a result of Stranger Things. The song "Running Up and Running Up the Hill" by uh, Kate Bush is sudden. It's um, suddenly becoming a massive hit because of its appearance in the show Stranger Things. And I think that it's kind of funny to see how things like that work, but it's not the first time something like that's happened. And I know uh, um, one that pro uh, probably a lot of people might think of as a recent one when um, the Fleetwood Mac song, I think it was Dreams, uh, was big as a result of that uh, TikTok video. But there have been several others instances like that. Um, one that always comes to mind for me is when uh, Empire, when I was in college, suddenly uh, Empire, so the uh, one, I think it was one, an alternative rock station in the area was talking about how there's this music discovery by this band Empire of the Sun. It was walking on a dream, which I think was, so I'm like, I, I, I think I knew them in high school. I think that song was released in 2008. And it was like 2014, 2015, probably 2016, somewhere in that range. Um, and I was just so confused by it. But it became big because it was in this ad, some car ad randomly. And I mean, uh, some other instances where things like that happened. I think Queen, Queen's entire catalog was uh massive what like was massively successful after uh after bohemian rhapsody came out uh nwa's catalog was was charlie like crazy after uh shred out of compton came out and in particular the title track from the film or the title track for that film uh that one actually uh wound up being uh mowing the album first the album with the same name actually wound up uh charting higher than it ever had been uh, as a result of the film, but then also the title track itself for the first time had entered the top 100 then billboard charts even entered number f at number 40, which was really interesting to see uh, that it tried higher than ever. And uh, this one's interesting because with Run the Hill, it was Kate Bush's most popular song in the U S but she had so many massive hits in the UK. So I think that's really cool to, I think that's really cool for her because I, I mean, I've spoken really positively about her on the podcast. I know I pulled her in a really high regard, but as a performer, but especially as a songwriter, she is super talented. 
So I'm really excited for her uh, for her with that one. It's a good song also. Um, next one that, you know, some people are going to be making a big deal about, laughing about, whatever. Um, I don't care about, though, as much, but I do think it's worth mentioning. Um, so, uh, a lawsuit is being filed, uh, related to All I Want for Christmas is You, uh, most known by the original version by Mariah Carey. Uh, one songwriter, Andy Stone, apparently wrote a song with the same title a few years before that and is suing the is suing Carrie, um, her co-writer for the song. Um, I think the record label. Um, yeah, and the record label uh, for copyright infringement as a result. And I've, I don't want to spend too much on this because I've complained about this kind of stuff before. I I am a bit nervous about the direction of copyright infringement suits. I think the one that really the suit that really made me nervous was uh, a lawsuit that resulted in uh Tom Petty being a credited songwriter for uh Stay With Me because uh it sounded really similar to I Won't Back Down. The reason that and the reason that they determined that it sounded similar was because it was in the same key and used the same chord progression. Neither the key nor the chord progression were something that was an inco- uncommon thing in music, and in fact, work both of, both of them were fairly common anyways, and were not something that that realistically uh, Tom Petty could have copyrighted. And I think that in particular, you have. Uh, I'll get to this a little bit more later on, but I mean, realistically, a lot of pop songs use similar keys or chords um, to the point where I know there's a lot of uh, groups that have done like joke videos about uh, like, for instance, the four chord song or stuff like that. I mean, which I mean, really, it's just because they're all in the same key pretty much. So I. uh, So I think with that one. I don't know. I didn't listen to the original track. Uh, we'll see what happens with that one. I, for, I know some people are making a big deal. Uh, some people make a big deal about this. Some people are laughing about it. For me, I just I roll at this point when I hear copyright infringement lawsuits are filed. Unless it's something that I'm like, this is this really does sound way too similar. And even in many of those cases, one isn't filed. Uh and there have been cases where I'm like, one probably should have been filed. Like, uh, I think it was, um, the song closer by chain smokers, uh, versus, um, one Fetty Wap song. I think I've been seven forty seven. I was like, these sound way too identical. Maybe something should be filed for that one. But, uh, but I don't know. I don't make a big deal about that one. Cause it's just this. These are just so common nowadays and it annoys me. Um, the next one, um, Apparently, there's a legislation now in New York uh, that's going to be starting up in a couple months, in a few months, uh, that for concert tickets, where uh, concert ticket sellers will have to show their fees when they when you first uh, when you're first buying tickets, and then also resellers have to show how much they originally paid for the tickets. I think that's really interesting. Um, I'm, the reseller part is really intriguing in my opinion, uh, because I mean, 
I don't, I, because I mean, with certain shows, if it's a show that's sold out, it, I don't think it would still deter people from it. But I mean, if there's a show that isn't sold out, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I don't really, that part, I don't really get the logic behind it as much. Um, I know some people will say, oh, it's so then people won't rip you off. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone knows that resell. I thought that was a common knowledge that resell tickets are typically more expensive unless you come down to like the week of the concert and then people get desperate to try to get rid of the are just trying to cut their losses a bit and get rid of their tickets. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't. I, I that maybe that's just something that's not common knowledge, but I don't get the logic behind including that part of it. Uh, but there's the fees up front. I think that's a good way of handling it. I know um some uh some sites will actually say like it's certain amount plus fees, and then pretty quickly in it will say what the fees are. Um, but I think that's interesting to say up front what the fees are. I think that's a better idea, honestly. Uh. Because um, I know especially because uh, I've discussed in the past how like uh, Ticketmaster at this point um, after their acquisition of Live Nation, it I feel I feel like it's pro sounds feels really close to a monopoly. Uh, they've really jacked. They've there have been a lot of complaints about how high the they jack up the fees for that one. So um, yeah, I. I do I I'm I'm in favor of that part. I don't for the reseller part. I'm not mainly just because I don't see the necessity of it. I mean, I guess some people might in that you could show that hey, they're paying way they're they're paying way too much for it, but I don't I mean, inter, if the tickets were really expensive anyways, if I mean if it's just sold out and you see that tickets were really expensive anyways, you're I mean and you're just gonna buy a ticket from a third party person anyways. I mean, with all due respect, the buyers and the person who's buying it from the third party isn't is an idiot at that point. If they're gonna then complain that oh no they spent more than they spent more than or I spent more than they did for the ticket, yeah that's why they're reselling it. Um, but yeah I don't know. Um. The next topic I would like to discuss briefly, uh, there's literally a headline. Uh, this one's on uh, NBC News. Uh, people are getting tired of the TikTok music formula. Um, basically, the whole article is just effectively how people, uh, I guess, there's enough people that are getting frustrated that... Uh, that a lot of the music that goes viral on TikTok isn't that original. I'm not on TikTok, so I'm a uh, totally neutral in terms of I'm totally neutral in terms of actually TikTok related things music in this regard. But what I will say is that welcome to the pop music industry and welcome to the music industry as a whole. I I mean for I mean I know I just mentioned how like a lot of people are pointing out that it's like most songs are in the same have the same four chords. Yeah, because they use the same key or similar key. So that's that's music. 
a lot of popular music isn't particularly original. I know people. I know that some people are. I know apparently people are enough people for them to write an article about this are complaining that uh, this formula in particular. Well, that's. I mean, if you, I mean, you listen to pop radio and you're probably list, most of the songs you listen to are in the same key and have the same similar chords, have the same songwriting structure, and yada, yada, yada. So, I, I mean, just because a couple of them, a couple of these ones are more, uh, a couple, because you have some TikTok songs that go viral that are breakup songs, we're going to say that the, there's a formula there. No, that's pop music. Um, and I'm not saying that pop, that's bad or anything like that, even. I'm, uh, I'm just saying that uh, that in regard to when people are like complaining about stuff like that, I mean that's that's common in a lot of popular music, and I mean the reason that it is so common is because it works. People are still listening to it. People are buying it. Like I mean, it's not like a. I mean, it's not like for instance a. Uh, I was about to say Tool, but that's a bad example because they've actually had some popular stuff. But I mean, it's not like, for instance, a band like, uh, um, Converge, for instance, who has some wacky stuff is going to be popular by any means. Or like a band like Dream Theater who changes time signature laws. It's not like you're going to hear that kind of stuff on, uh, on pop radio. No, it's the same kind of stuff. So, um, I see that headline and I'm like, okay, what's new? Um, the next the uh the next topic that I do want to discuss actually is uh so I had mentioned that last time about uh how Halsey had tweeted out or maybe not tweeted out, maybe it was video, I don't remember, um, had discussed complaints and concerns about the fact that their record label was uh not allowing them to release new music until, uh, until they, uh, um, until, until they, uh, um, until they had a viral, another viral video. And I, um, and how there were a lot of other musicians since then that have expressed similar, similar sentiments. So, uh, since then, uh, their record label, which I, um, which was, uh, Capitol Records, um, tweeted out saying that they are pro, um, I, let me see if I can, I have the statement here, um, just waiting for this to load here, um, but yeah, um, they had a, uh, they said, uh, Halsey, we, uh, or they said in tweet, Halsey, we love you and we are here to, here to support you. We are committing to a release of So Good on June 9th, 2022. And they said in a statement below it, uh, we are an artist first company that encourages open dialogue. We have nothing but a desire to help each one of our artists succeed and hope that we can continue to have these critical conversations. And 
Um, I'll be honest, in this case, uh, I actually think that, believe it or not, Capital Music might be the biggest winner in this case, because, first off, Capital Music got what they wanted because Halsey released a TikTok that went viral complaining about it. Capital Music said they didn't want to release an album until a viral a video went viral. So that happened. And uh and they can release this statement all they all they want to be like, oh yeah, look, they look, we're supporting you. We're here to listen. And uh so now people will be like, oh look, now some people will be like, oh look, now they're listening. So um, that was funny. So um I a little bit of sidebar here. I was uh in the room that I'm recording in, there's uh one of those I don't want to say the name of it, but one of those things that you um so, uh one of those devices that you can talk to and it will give you answers. you can ask questions to and it'll give you answers. I don't want to say the name because I don't want to turn on during the middle of the podcast. But I mentioned listening and suddenly I saw it light up and I'm like, okay, that was that was good. Um, but <laughs> I guess they're listening to me. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, and uh, but then realistically, I mean, even if you could make the argument that. Well, now that's a bad, big reputation hit for Capital Music. They're a massive record label and they're a record label that isn't reliant on one person. Realistically because they have so many artists signed on to it and have the royalty rights for a lot of music, uh, having Halsey trying to break a contract or get out of, get away from them, first off, wouldn't deter their sales because of the uh, of all the arts they have locked into contracts and royalty. And second off, because they are a massive uh, record company, isn't going to be a company where people where people won't or an artist won't try to sign with them. They frankly weren't going to be impacted in a negative way through this ultimately. So So, I mean, ultimately uh um I had some people will say that Halsey's a big winner here. No, Capital Music is in this case. Uh and then um, one other quick thing that I do want to mention quickly. Uh, so John, Dris John Driscoll Hopkins, uh, one of the founding members of Zach Brown Band, uh, he uh, has announced that he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, a uh, ALS. Um, and I, um, and ultimately that one, I mean, that's, that is, I, I mean, condolences to him and his family because even though he is saying that he is going to try to perform he is going to perform with the band as long as he can um ultimately als is a disease that doesn't have a known cure and really there hasn't been a ton of research done with it either um and he uh and i mean ultimately it is something where like your body just, I mean, your body just shuts down, but your mind doesn't. So that kind of thing 
I I don't wish that on anyone. Uh, and I mean, anytime I hear that, uh, that's just awful. Best best wishes to him, his family, his loved ones. That's that's brutal. Now, um, before I get to the last topic, um, I so uh, I will just mention that there it, that I will be mentioning coming bring up mentions uh, related to uh, sexual crimes like sexual assault, uh, sexual misconduct, potentially rape, potentially domestic violence. I do just want to give that give that warning ahead of time. Uh, that this final topic will be what I'm discussing for the rest of the episode, um, uh, and it will bring up mentions of that. So I did just want to bring that up in case, uh, for whatever reason, you don't want to listen to that. Whether it's something you don't feel comfortable about, whether it's uh, a case of trauma, PTSD, um, something you have no interest in hearing. No explanation needed. By all means, thank you for listening thus far, and I'll give you a, about five seconds or so to uh, to close up before I continue on. So, one new story that came out recently was that Tillian Pearson, um, most known as uh, the lead vocalist for Dance Gavin Dance, even though he had also been a member of other groups and also had some solo music that he had released. Like he was with Amorosa uh, and Sayosin briefly um, and Ties with the Man briefly. Uh, he he was uh, he uh, faced multiple accusations of, uh, of various forms of uh, sexual misconduct and um he has denied the allegations but it was uh but dance gavin dance announced that he would be stepping away from the band and um and i mean so i'm we'll preface this conversation by saying well i'm not a i'm not a fan of dance gavin dance i never got into their music but Recently, I actually have because I actually have been thinking about like different cases where, um, because some people have said what well, uh, because I, I listen to some other podcasts like different genres that aren't just music related, um, a bunch that are sports related, and a lot of times there comes up with a debate of how do you respond if something, uh, if there's some moral conundrum that you disagree with. I know one recently was that when the Cleveland and at the NFL when the Cleveland Browns had uh, traded for um, Deshaun Watson, who had uh, sev several nasty allegations against him, and uh, I think is currently facing twenty three, twenty four civil lawsuits, and there were a lot of people who. I know for podcasts I listen to where there were some Cleveland Brown fan, Browns fans, several of them have vowed not to be a Cleveland Browns fan. And I know, uh, I don't know, like for instance, because um, for a while, I, because my mom lived in Washington for a while, I had a sweatshirt for the team now known as the 
Washington Commanders, uh, but previously known as biracial, uh, Native American racial slur. And I think eventually I got rid of it because I suddenly realized, wait, this no, this is really inappropriate. But I think it's, but at the, but it made me wonder in certain cases. It's like, how, how do you deal with that? Because I know, um, I have been thinking about this a lot recently because uh, one that I recently realized was that um, so one band that I've discussed many times in the podcast that I have been a fan of was is uh, Bring Me the Horizon and one that I recently realized and uh, this and this uh, this wasn't like this was uh, something that just came up like a day ago or something like that Um, this is something that apparently was back in a um, that had happened previously, um, that I, uh, somehow just managed to miss, even though it came out years ago, um, where, uh, the, um, where their lead vocalist, Oliver Sykes, had been accused of domestic violence by his ex-wife, um, and, uh, well, um, the, uh, and while a justification, uh, quote unquote justification, because I don't like this justification, was that it he was doing it, he was angry about her cheating, which I'm like, I don't, still, I don't like this response kind of thing. And that's, I, so I mean, now I'm sitting here like, I, I don't know how to cope with that, because I know in particular, I mean, even like with, because I know, for instance, Bring With Horizon, they have been an important band in my life. They were the first metalcore band that I loved. They're the band that, because while I did like Of Mice and Men first, for instance, who um, a vocalist they had for a while also had faced several, like had faced several accusations of sexual misconduct. Um, though he had left the band prior to that. They, uh, I mean, now I'm sitting here like I don't agree with that morally. So I'm and well, I mean, naturally, because I know they were in my top three favorite bands for oh, for years. Or top four, even because Phoebe Bridgers had entered the top four. Okay, I felt like was on the same tier as them. Now it's back. I mean, now naturally for me, it's back to a top three because Bring the Horizon has dropped out of it because because I because I, for me, it's just like a case of I don't feel great about all that, which I think there is. I think naturally, I imagine there is some sort of thing where, like, if it's morally just opposed to it, you don't feel as good listening to it. But at the same time, it's like still because I know, especially because Bring with the Horizon was such an important part of my life. I'm really not sure how to cope with that now um, and like how I should continue going forward with them with that um and i mean i'm not saying that like any time and i'm not saying that like any time you're anything like that that it's a requirement that you uh that you must stop listening to this artist i th- uh because i don't want to be the person saying how we should handle all of this or any allegations with that i don't want to be the poster boy for making that decision because i well i don't i don't think i'm that if if there should be one person, it definitely shouldn't be me. In my opinion, I don't want to be that person. 
And I think that everyone has their different moralities in particular. And I mean, well, there are certain things that's like, yes, this absolutely should not happen. Um, I don't. I. I just don't want to be the person who said, because I know like cancel culture now is a big thing. I don't want to be the person who says this. They should be canceled. They shouldn't be canceled. I. I don't. I don't know what the right response for a lot of this stuff is. And I mean, there. Because, you know, there have been instances in the past where I had, uh, where I'd learned more about someone. I'm like, ooh, I really don't feel great about this. Um, like, one artist that I really liked at one point, Front Porch Step, um, I think it was 2015, he was going to be on Warp Tour. Then it was discovered that he had, uh, sexted several underage, uh, several girls, frankly, under, uh, underage girls, uh, even though I, when I say girls, I do mean underage girls, I, underage individuals, but still I thought either way, I thought it was important to just clarify in case. And ultimately he was dropped from Warped Tour, although there was a bit of a back and forth there. And I mean, and even like this was before the Me Too movement. So, I mean, even at that time, I didn't know what, I think it was like, I, cause I didn't realize just how prevalent this was at that time, but I mean, I was totally naive um, at that point. And I mean, I was sad to hear that happened. And then naturally, I think the next time I heard one of his songs come up, I just like, no, I can't do this anymore. I can't listen to them. I can't listen to him. Um, I mean, like for another individual like that, I was like Eric Clapton. I, I mean, because he is an all-time great guitarist, but I mean, I know for me, learning about especially over the years learning about a lot of the years of racist tendencies and habits that he's had and statements he's made now i'm like no i don't even want to touch don't even want to touch his stuff so and so i mean i think that that's just something that i didn't want to discuss briefly because i mean while it might be good to have better to have discussed it with uh, with like someone else too. I, I'm, I'm like sitting here, like, I really don't know what the right thing to do is. And it's a, it is a difficult, I think it is like really difficult to see. And especially because there are certain individuals who, um, like they either are accused of something or they admitted that they did something and, and like, I mean, they aren't quote unquote canceled. I say quote unquote, because, I mean, when certain people say someone got canceled, I don't know that that's necessarily true uh, nowadays. And I think that people, there are so many different definitions of canceled. But because, um, I mean, like, for instance, one example that really comes to mind in that regard is like someone like, or actually two examples, I guess. Um, David Bowie and uh, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anthony Kiedis had, it, Anthony Kiedis had admitted to, uh, um, to statutory rape when he slept with someone underage and then uh david bowie um he there was at least one instance of him sleeping with two people underage so i mean both of those ones i mean while their legacies are largely untarnished i mean i know for me i'm still sitting here like i still not quite sure what to make with all of this and i mean i know that there's the people some people will say like uh 
oh, different times. It was okay then. Well, no, it really wasn't okay then. And I think, I think it was just, there was a case of the people who realized that it wasn't okay weren't in front of, weren't like, didn't have a voice to discuss it. But at the same time, I mean, even like with, if I will say with Kiris, because um, that's one thing that I've actually thought about recently with, I haven't thought about recently with that is that because I read his autobiography when I was in high school and one thing he had discussed in there what was about how when he was living with his parents, I mean, his father rather, his father like lived this crazy party lifestyle for years and kids was discussing about how like with his father it was like as like a preteen drugs would regularly be there he'd, he'd be like doing drugs around that um and he had lost his virginity at 12 because his da his dad had told his dad's girlfriend to uh go have sex with him so then he, his son at 12 would lose his virginity so i mean even there i mean i think that you do have to to wonder, like, well, still there. Were, I mean, at that point, could some trauma have can cause future things? Especially because then, at that point, assuming that his dad's girlfriend at that time was over the age of eighteen, then at that point, he was. Then I mean, that's a case of statutory rape too. So I mean, in that kind of case, I'm sitting here like I don't know how. That's an that has another element that I'm like I don't even know what to deal with with that, and I know it's because I because I know a lot of people had been talking about things like that with uh, Kodak Black being featured on Kendrick Lamar's album also. So I mean, I'll, with which I did find interesting how there was as much backlash as there was related to that, especially considering the fact that Kodak Black has, despite uh, sexual assault rape accusations. He has still been massively popular. So I and still has had like been really commercially successful. So I thought that was interesting that because that when Kendrick Lamar brought him on an album, there was backlash there um, when he still has so many fans. So I guess overall, I'm in a, I guess with that one, because I know especially because I've been not sure about how to deal with that for a while, because I know I recently had been dealing with the Bring Bro the question about what do I do with bringing the horizon? And I mean, recently they, uh, and cause I mean, recently it has naturally been like, I, they're definitely not my top three anymore. Um, but at the same time, they're, I'm still like, I know that they have been an important aspect of my life. And I mean, when they release music in the future, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about this naturally. Um, cause it, and I mean, it's obviously different that it's not the same thing as like other situations, but still overall, I just don't, I just am not sure what to feel about this. And I thought that when Tilly and Pearson, uh, why are the accusations against him? I thought that I guess now's so good a time about any, just, talk and be like i i don't know anymore y'all i don't know what to i and i mean i i say that honestly like i so i'm vulnerable be like i like i mean when it's an artist that like i mean if it's I mean, with certain art uh with i mean certain accusations i'm just sitting here like i'm not sure how i'm supposed to feel with this given like a lot of different 
a lot of different factors. And I mean, in certain cases, uh, it's, I mean, there have been certain cases where if it's like, for instance, a band with like a member who's no longer in the band, I don't like, uh, I don't reject that. I not going to like immediately reject that band. Like I don't like when, um, with the mice and men, um, when Austin Carlisle faced several accusations, I wasn't sitting there going to be like, I hate this band now because he hadn't been a member of the band for years. So I'm, I don't know. I, as I, I don't know. I mean, as I, as much as I would love to be like, I wish this wasn't something we had to, we have to think about. It really is. Cause I mean, I don't want to live in naivety with in this regard because I think it is important to to be realistic in this case and to realize that um that there are people who are doing this kind of stuff and realize that how do we deal with with morals I know with certain things uh I know for certain things I use I know uh, there probably are certain things where like uh people are able to separate the art from the artist. And I guess that really, and I mean, it, that with certain aspects, it really does depend on the morals, but was there, and I mean, of course with everyone, there's bound to be a tipping point with that or bound to be not even a tipping point, but they're bound to be a tipping point where someone's like, no, I can't do this. But then there are certain cases where it's like, I don't know what to do with this. And cause I mean, and I know, especially with uh, the Bring of the Horizon bit, with the uh, with the uh, Oversykes, I'm like, I no, I absolutely don't agree with what he did. And I mean, could but I mean, at that point, could you argue that he was provoked in that case? I guess I don't think that I think that's a really bad and unhealthy way to respond to that to that kind of thing. But I, yeah, I this is a whole, I'm like, I just don't know what to think. And I also, well, I didn't even mention this at any point during the podcast. I also think it's interesting that of all times I choose that was to discuss that was in the wake of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard lawsuit, which is something that I really had no interest in whatsoever because my opinion, the whole relationship seemed incredibly toxic. But anyways, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if I wind up talking about this topic again, just because I think it is like such a difficult one. I know in particular, probably at some point if I do, it, I think it'd be good to discuss it with someone else, too, because it's an important topic to talk about and a topic that I have no freaking idea what to do. And it's just, I hate being in a state of uncertainty. And in that case, it's, I'm to, I'm just, I'm totally lost with some of, some of these kind of situations. But anyways, for now, I'll call it a, I'll call it an episode, I'll call it a night. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I know the end was a little bit, probably was a little bit darker, not too uplifting and fun. But sometimes that happens. Um, be sure to like the Facebook page. Be sure to uh, check out uh, 
to uh, also like the Facebook page for Is Baller Trademarked Yet and check out the blogs, Is Baller Trademarked Yet and Failing Groupie. There'll be stuff coming out for both of them very soon. Uh, and if if they're not out already, depending on when I release them and when I post this. But thank you so much again, and I'll talk to you all soon. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about the next episode, um, but I'll I'll get to that when I get to that. Bye.